Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Katie Barnwell on why she's devoted her life to the translation of the Bible into languages that don't have it. To reading, reading the Bible regularly is a very, obviously a very key factor in growing as a Christian and developing your knowledge. And uh, just really beginning to read the Bible and discovering what a wonderful book it is was, again, part of the call to Bible translation. Katie Barnwell, next. To put it plainly, Dr. Katie Barnwell has devoted her life to Bible translation. She joined Wycliffe Bible Translators in 1963 and served in Nigeria from 1964 to 1969. Today she's a translation consultant with SIL International and an advisor with The Seed Company. Her textbook, Bible Translation, an introductory course in translation principles, is widely used. Christianity Today did an extensive profile on her in the current issue titled, The Linguist. Over the next two days, we'll get to know her and find out about her passion to see people have the scriptures in their own language. She spoke to us from her home in Goring in the United Kingdom. Katie, tell us about your upbringing and how you came to Christ. I grew up in a I would say a church-going Anglican family, um, very sincere. We were, um, and uh, but not sort of evangelical. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but uh, my mother, I know, was a real real believer, although she might not have used the same terminology as some of others may use. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to uh, St Andrews University. That's in Scotland. And it was there that I came in contact with the Christian Union. And um, really, they were having a crusade, trying to contact, you know, bring people in. And um, so I went along and made friends. And that was how I came to understand that although, you know, I'd been confirmed at the age of 13 or 14, and I would think that I did make a genuine commitment at that point, but I had no idea what it really meant to follow the Lord. And it was only really when I was uh, through that contact with rather believing active Christians that I really began to see what it meant to to, to follow the Lord and to um, also to look for, to know what, what uh, service I could do, what job I could do. Well, speaking of that, how did God call you into this lifelong ministry, this lifelong work of Bible translation? We had one of the speakers at the Christian Union meetings was uh, a representative from SIL, and he told about the need for translation and the um, the fact that there were so many languages. I had never had, had any idea before about how many languages there were, and that, uh, you know, Nigeria alone has six, 600 languages. <laughs> and uh, so it was le- learning facts like that. And also, I, I was uh, the course I was doing in did already involve some linguistic studies. 
mainly studying ling linguistics of English. Um, but And I felt, well, when I heard about that need for people to go and be involved with translation, I just, just clicked that that's me. And um, I uh, went on to learn more about it to attend the first um, um, summer institute of linguistics, so summer courses that they ran, and went on from there. So uh, it was really hearing the hearing the facts of what was needed, and also because I'd begun to read my Bible in a ways that I hadn't been doing previously, and saw how important it was to have a Bible that you could understand. And uh, so that's, I guess, how it came about. Mm. And if you would, Katie, talk about the importance of Bible translation to world evangelization. Both in areas where there's already been some Christian contact, but also in areas where there's been no Christian contact. That if people don't understand what they're hearing, they don't understand the gospel. Mm and especially the scriptures um then they're not going to they're not going to believe you can't believe what you don't hear and you've never heard about so um i guess that was why i felt translation was so important and but not only for people who were outside completely but also for those who may be um growing christians um, to reading reading the Bible regularly is a very, obviously a very key factor in growing as a Christian and developing your knowledge, and uh, just really beginning to read the Bible and discovering what a wonderful book it is was again part of the call to Bible translation. And, and the connection um, to the return of Christ isn't there a. Uh, a, a scripture or a passage that makes reference to the the yes. proclamation of the gospel around yes. the whole world. Uh, uh, I should let you explain. There will be people from every language and tongue, in in yes, included. So that's again something that we 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 work towards foreseeing that prophecy will fulfilled. What kind of preparation? You were obviously you said you were at the University of. St. Andrews or St. Andrews University in Scotland. Um, you were studying there. Can you talk about uh, that and any other preparation for actually doing the work? You, 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 there's a quite a bit of preparation people may not realize that goes into this. SIL has its own training program. Mm. And in England, in fact, um, it was only f f sort of um, the time I was speaking about, uh, it was, SIL was only just becoming involved in the UK. Um, SIL or Wycliffe Bible Translators, as it's more commonly known. Mm. And um, the uh, uh, particular John Bender Samuel was a leading uh, leader in that way. Um, he had heard about this and seen what was happening in particular, I think it was in Peru originally that he had contact. And he said, thought, well, this is... It's a huge job. Let's see how we can't we can't get Christians in the UK involved too. And also, most of the work so far that SIL had been doing was in um, in uh, uh, South Africa, South America rather, and uh, and uh, yeah, so Papua New Guinea too. But very little done in Africa. 
So John was very leading the way in developing the program in Africa. So, which was partly how I got um, to Nigeria because um, they were looking looking particularly for people to to work in Nigeria. So you began. And, um, I'm sorry. Please go right ahead. Uh, he was also um, very anxious to have people who who could be trainers of others, and that was how I went to, came to do my PhD um, quite early on, because he wanted to have he needed leaders, trainers of others. So I um, went to do my PhD at the School of Oriental and African Studies in London University and wrote for my thesis. It was a description of the structure and function of the Bembe language, which was the first language I worked on. So um, it was having this sort of academic training but there was a lot of other things too. I mean, it was more, really, as I look back, spiritual training, things that I had to learn and how to work together with other people, which is essential in Bible translation work. You need to work as a team. Um, and and I, again, I would not describe myself as a translator. The translators are, should be, wherever possible, the speakers of the language themselves. Um, but there are other roles that we can have as expats, expatriates to um, train and provided the resources um, to and the skills to do the work. Well, my guest today on His People is Dr. Katie Barnwell. She uh, is a, uh, by, is it correct to identify you as a Bible translator? Katie, I mean... Oh, well, it's just that I, if you distinguish the actual work of translation um, from the work of facilitating the translation, I mean, part of the... I mean, one of the first things in most new projects is to develop, help develop the written language because most of these languages are unwritten. So to have the skill of working with the speakers of the language to develop a, an orthography. And of course, it's um, wonderful to be able to write an unwritten language for the first time where you've got the skill, the ability to write it consistently, not like English where you have to learn almost how every word is spelled. But you can, in the new language, newly written language, you can write it according to the sounds. The same sound is always written in the same way. So there's that side of it. And also, um, again, the training the translators to, to do the, the work. So I would say my job is more to facilitate, to um, train, to help others to do the work more than to do uh, the actual translation myself. But, there, but you, as you said, you, you, when you go to a language that does not have the scripture, it may not have a, a written uh, mm -hmm. alphabet. You, you kind of have to start at square one with, That's right, with yes. that. Mm -hmm. so, so you, you have to learn how to speak the language yes. first. Yes, and that's, that was the first thing with the language Mbembe, which is the one that I've been most involved in over the years. And I'm still involved in helping check that they're now aiming to complete the whole Bible, the whole Old Testament too. Um, so yes, I lived in the in the uh, language area for, for uh, 
about 10 years, I spent the majority of my time in the language area so that I could learn to speak the language. Um, and at that point, the church was still fairly young in that area. And also the educational level was not as yet. Um, well, the, the, the person I worked with as a main colleague had finished primary school. Mm. But um, times are changing, and nowadays, certainly in Nigeria, um, you know, there are far more educated people, highly educated people. And in fact, with the Old Testament, um, the uh, one, two, both of the both of the main translators have uh, both got graduate graduates, uh, 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 MA, one case, uh, yes, second degree in um, biblical languages. So you know, it's it, times are changing. Mm. And that and that language that you that you worked in, um, did you say is there a complete Bible translated now? No, no. I said it's in process. Okay. The New Testament is is published, but also another factor is that there are actually several dialects of the language. Mm. And when they did the original, when they did the original survey. It was a touch and go whether they would be considered as four different languages or four dialects of the same language. And to begin with, we just focused on one particular dialect. But later on, particularly two of the other major dialects, different major difference, different ones, uh, now want their own translation. So um, we're now actually working in three different languages. Three different formats. And how do you pronounce that language again? Mbembe. You say the M by itself first. Mbembe. Mbembe. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Is that language and and the I think you said the the dialects of it are are they widely spoken throughout Nigeria? Is this a well, a, a language? No, like, like like most of the languages of Nigeria, it's a particular area. Mm. And of course, in the early days. Um, I mean, the uh, there wasn't nearly as much mixing between parts of the country. It tended to be, you know, people lived in the area where, which was their own uh, homeland, and they spoke their language. They didn't mix all that much. Later on, people began to learn uh, maybe a, what they call a trade language. For example, in Mbembe, the trade language in the early days was Efik. Which was the language spoken by in Calabar at the the mouth of the river on which Mbembe, along which the Mbembe people lived. Languages were spoken in in limited areas. You can have a language map of Nigeria, and you can see, you can po point out where each of the different languages are spoken. Can you talk a little bit about the religious landscape of Nigeria? Uh, I mean, most of us will understand there's there's Islam and there's Christianity, but can you help us to understand that and the, the, some of the variations of religious expression there? Basically, the southern part of Nigeria has been mainly influenced by Christianity, whereas in the north, um, is, is, is Islam is stronger. And in some areas, there is real uh, conflict mm. um, and... Uh, very sad situations, and uh, with the Boko Haram attacks uh, destroying 
area, areas that were not committed to their own beliefs. So yes, that is a problem in Nigeria. To and uh, you know, they need a government which can accept people can learn to accept each other. All right, they have differences of beliefs, but they need it doesn't mean they need to be fighting each other all the time. Right. Well, my understanding is, and I get this understanding, of course, from the Christianity Today piece, but that you pioneered the idea of transferring the leadership of Bible translation from missionaries trained in the West to local or indigenous workers. Can you talk about that, how that, how that came about and, and, and why you believe that's important? Again, that's with the changing changing situations in many countries where there's much more education now than there was and school opportunities. I mean, in the early days in November, it was quite difficult for people to um, to get schooling. And even now, they have to pay quite high fees for secondary school and so on. But now there are far more educated people. And Mbembe, we have graduates from Mbembe, and uh, so there is the potential now for local people to take the responsibility um, in translation and in the works. They just need the training and help to do it. And obviously also this will speed up the work because if you have to wait for a missionaries to come and help, um, it's going to, you know, there's going to be a long time before every every group is reached. But uh, if you can train local people, and what we saw in Nigeria too was that once you had one group um, get starting translation, the neighboring languages will say, hey, we want that too. Hmm. So, um, you know, it spread from one place to another. Um, I like the way Christianity Today, uh, the writer, described Nigeria as population dance and... Uh, I forgot the other, uh, let's see, population dense and language rich. You described uh, 600 <laughs> languages, and Nigeria is one of the larger or largest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. it's really a wonderful place for Bible translators to go. <laughs> There's plenty to do. There's plenty to do. <laughs> yes, Nigeria Probably in Africa, it's, it's definitely the country with the most languages and work to do. And then there are other places like Papua New Guinea, which has a lot of languages, and but often smaller languages. But in Nigeria, the languages differ in size. Some have a lot of more speakers, some have less speakers. Katie, I think people, uh, when we think of Bible translation, we tend to think of sort of the romanticized picture of maybe William Tyndale with a candle laboring uh, by himself. And we know that was a long time ago, but you said early on that Bible translation today, I don't think you necessarily use this word, but it's collaborative. It's done in teams. Is that right? Yes. How how does that work? How How does a team translate the Bible? Well, well, um, often by sharing out. I mean, for example, in uh, in Bembe, well, the main dialect we're working with, they've got five main translators, and then in translating the Old Testament, you know, they will say, "You tra- you draft this translate this book, you you draft that one," 
and then they go through a process so that one person does the drafting and then they do what they call a team check so that the, all, all the team work through it together reviewing what's been done, making suggestions, identifying places that need to be improved or corrected. And um, and there is a general process that they go through, first drafting and then team checking, team checking, and then what they call community testing. So they take it out to the speakers and test to see whether people really do understand the message. And uh, so it goes through several different steps and uh, keeping on polishing it, improving it. It isn't just, you know, you do one draft and that's it, it goes to press. It has to be tested and improved, um, it, tested with older people, tested with younger people until you're as sure as possible that it really is communicating and it's communicating the right meaning, the meaning of the original. And that's part of the job of the consultant to check that uh, what's being communicated really is accurate to the original text. Tell us about your book, Bible Translation, an introductory course in translation principles. I mean, it's from what I understand, mm -hmm. it's been it's been widely used. What can you tell us about it? That was really part of this whole movement of training speakers of the language. That most books on translation previously. Um, were um, developing the theory of translation, but didn't so much tell people how to translate into their own language. Mm. And also, they were often quite written, quite academic English. So the goal of my book, first book, was to um, put the cook cookies on the bottom shelf, as they say, <laughs> to help yeah. people um, uh, understand, you know, how this really applied in their own language. So how to do it, and including a lot of exercises and so on, to really help people learn how to do it and how to work together, and also how to use the tools that there are in, for Bible translation. And that's another important issue. Over the last uh, 50 years, um, you know, in the early days in in, in Bembe, we used a paper and pencil, mm -hmm. and we thought we were getting quite advanced when we got a typewriter. <laughs> but nowadays, everybody's got their laptop, mm -hmm. which is wonderful because you can do revisions and print out a revised one, and also you can exchange easily between different people. And there are programs that have been specially developed for translators, like uh, a program called Paratext, which um, enables the translator to see they can see different English translations. They can see the original Hebrew or Greek text. And um, they can also access commentaries or anything like that. So there are the helps now which never existed previously and which speakers who are translating into their own language as much as possible now, we tried to get those helps into understandable form that would be used easily by second language speakers of English. I think you referred to your book, Bible Translation, as your first book. You've written others? It, it's actually been through several editions. Mm. <laughs> it's now through the fourth. The first edition was in 1975, and, um, and then it's sort of grown and expanded a bit. And uh, I have written a few other things, but that's been the main thing, I would say. Hmm. 
And how many years uh, in total did you spend in Nigeria? I spent um, on and off. I don't, it'll be hard to measure. Mm -hmm. um, the first t sort of 10 years, I was mainly working in the Mbembe language. And then quite early on, we started training courses with people coming from different languages. And I, I wrote um, course, course materials, particularly, well, for one for how to write an unwritten language, and the other were for how to translate the Bible. Um, so, uh, and that was, those were in the first sort of maybe 10 years or so in the Mbembe area mainly, but also spending time at the, at the translation center, working with other languages as well. And then I was asked to be the translation coordinator for Africa, for a while, so of course that meant more traveling. Mm -hmm. um, so I was still based in Nigeria at that point, but sort of spent time training, uh, visiting other countries where developed programs were being developed. Then in the 1990s, I was actually in the International Translation Department for SIL and based in Dallas. So I spent ten, nearly 10 years based in Dallas but still traveling quite a lot. Um, so it was really only the first 30 years of my involvement that I was actually living full-time in Nigeria, but I still was closely linked, um, ongoing. 30 years in Nigeria? Well, yes, with other, some other, yes, traveled elsewhere and sometimes in between too. Mm. Mm. You you must feel like you're part part Nigerian. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> have to. I would value that. <laughs> Nigerians are wonderful people. <laughs> Precious friends. Yes. What can you tell us about the culture? And I realize with six hundred different languages, you may have many different nuances to that culture. But what can you tell us about Nigerian culture? Oh, well, <laughs> again, that's a very yeah big question. But um, I would say the importance of being a community, living together. I mean, expatriate, we know Europeans anyway, often tend to be more individual-oriented or family-oriented even. Mm -hmm. But in uh, Africa, in Nigeria, I would say there's much more focus on uh, you know, living as a community, supporting each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe one th factor anyway. And friendliness, being friendly. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Katie Barnwell, linguist and Bible translator. She's profiled in the current issue of Christianity Today magazine. She spoke to us from her home in Goring in the United Kingdom. Part two of our discussion with her tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again tomorrow at this same time for another edition of His People.